This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. What is up? Happy Friday to you. And it is here in Des Moines. We are getting ready. We're like in this weird lull of snow. <laughs> For some weird reason, we have this big storm. It's called a uh, Saskatchewan Screamer. I had never heard of that before. And then the winter storm got a name, Winter Storm Lizzie. And Winter Storm Lizzie is about to make its way I think for the second time, like it started and then it went away and then it's going to come right back through and pile a foot of snow. We are expecting, is the latest a foot, 11 inches? Kira, what is the latest uh, prediction? So the last time I got an email from our wonderful coworker, Kate. Yeah, Kate's been keeping up all the radio stations in the building with what's been going on. I think the prediction was 7 to 11 inches. <laughs> Great. So, all right, well... Well, Might be sleeping at the station. Are you staying here? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, it wouldn't be all that bad. We have food here. We got TVs here. You can watch, assuming cable you know stays on in the building. You can watch all the football games. You can watch the entire Super Wild Card weekend from right here, Kira. If you are in fact stuck, I'll learn so much. There you go about football. Uh, Basically, this is going to be a Super Wild Card weekend preview, and I cannot tell you how excited I am for all of these football games. We've got uh, six of them. Two tomorrow, three Saturday, check that, three Sunday, and then the one on Monday, which is going to be awesome. And, and by the way, hello if you're watching on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page, and thank you for listening to us here in Des Moines. Be safe well, if you're out there on the roads. So I'm going to start with the, the opener that is tomorrow. And also, oh, by the way, later on in the show... You know, there's always this conversation of who has the most pressure on them to win, which quarterback has the most pressure on them to win. It's always a debate. I think the answer is pretty easy, but of all six starting quarterbacks, check that, 12 starting quarterbacks, I'm going to give you the five that have the most pressure on them uh, going on throughout the, the NFL playoffs. So we have the six games, 12 quarterbacks this weekend. I'll give you the five because I don't think you look at uh, Aaron Rodgers' Well, maybe you do. We'll get to that later on. We'll get to that later on. Starting with Saturday. This is the first game of the day. And I am really intrigued by this game because I, I think it's a, it's a... You got one team who is probably getting people a little too excited, a little too early in their development. Like, you can see the Bengals, who are hosting the Raiders, you can see the Bengals being people's darling pick in the coming years, right? In the AFC, it's going to be Mahomes until somebody you know, dethrones the Kansas City Chiefs. And whether or not that's the Titans this week or this year, I don't know. But one of those teams that's going to be looked at with the young quarterback and the young, young stud wide receiver is the Cincinnati Bengals. And, and they're a team right now that has got a lot of people excited because of those offensive weapons and whatnot. Don't forget, this is a team that went 10-7. and seven. They lost seven games just like the Raiders did. Now, granted, they play in the AFC North versus the AFC West. So they... They lost some games they probably should have won. They may have won a game or two they probably shouldn't have. But this is a team that I think is going to get a lot of people salivating because of Joe Mixon in the backfield, because of the three-headed monster they have at wide receiver with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And they can score some points. And I think if you're going to uh, handicap coach of the year, you know my top three are Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, Mike Vrabel in Tennessee, and Zach Taylor the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that, of course, they do have Joe Burrow, 
at the quarterback spot. And Burrow, remember last year, Burrow, his knee went backwards and his, and his season ended. To think about, that was like middle of the season, I think, last year. And the Bengals weren't doing a whole lot last season. But for the Bengals to come all the way back and be a team that I really wouldn't be shocked if they wind up in the AFC championship game. And, you know, you could, if I were to tell you that this team went on a run and won three games in a row, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world. But to, to think about where Burrow was, where Burrow is at now, the season that Joe Burrow has had this year, it's just so amazing. And this is the biggest game that Burrow has ever played in. I don't want to hear about college. I mean, it was a big deal that he was in the national championship game. No doubt. Absolutely no doubt whatsoever. But he was asked about whether or not that prepared him playing in that national championship game where LSU was so good, one of the great college football teams ever. Did that prepare him for playing in this playoff game? Joe, what do you remember most about uh, the first game against the Raiders when you beat him out there? A really hard-fought game, tough game, physical game. And we know that they're going to come in here and, and bring it just like they did that game. We're going to have to be ready for the physicality. Do you feel like that experience winning a national championship at LSU can help you now? Maybe. I've played in a lot of big games throughout my college career, but this year as well, you know, the last five or six games for us have, have been playoff games. So we've, we've, we've got a lot of experience in those kind of situations. 4,611 passing yards, 34 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. And, and Burrow in his sophomore season, I, I assume, I think they give a comeback player of the year award. He's got to be your comeback player of the year. For his knee to explode the way it did last year, and for him to come back and have this kind of a year, he's got to be in that conversation for comeback player of the year. Meanwhile, on the other side, you've got Derek Carr. And I don't know how Derek Carr and company are here. I really don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's not that Carr is a bad player or that the Raiders are a bad team. It's got nothing to do with the potential tie last Sunday night. And that's just the fact that they lost their number one wide receiver, Henry Ruggs, when he killed someone. It's because their head coach, John Gruden, is a racist person and he stepped down, got fired, resigned, whatever, and they got a special teams coach as their head coach. Their best player, Darren Waller, their tight end, was hurt for the last, most of the last two months, trust me. I had him in fantasy, <laughs> right? I didn't get to use my number one pick for the back end of my playoff run. Not that I'm complaining. I mean, I, I lost to my wife. But it's just, it's an amazing story that the Raiders are still here. Josh Jacobs has played very well in the last five or six weeks. I think he's averaging over 100 scrimmage yards and a touchdown since Thanksgiving, since that big win on Thanksgiving when they came back and beat Dallas on Turkey Day. It's, it's a hell of an accomplishment for the Raiders to get here. And it's kind of, I mean, if you take a step back and you say, well, this should be Derek Carr's first playoff experience because the Raiders haven't been very good. And you're probably right. You know, the Raiders have been very inconsistent every single year. They played a very tough division. They've been looking up at Mahomes and the Chiefs for a while, and before that, Alex Smith and the Chiefs. But it is, considering the numbers he has put up, it is a little bit tough for me to believe that this is Derek Carr's first time in the NFL playoffs. For me, it's an exciting time, um, obviously. You know, it's something I've dreamed of um, since I was drafted. That's all I want to do is get to the playoffs try and win a championship. You know, the fact that we're in the tournament, it's really cool. I'm super thankful. I, I've worked my tail off. I've, you know, prayed that I could experience that one day, and I get to. You know, it's cool. 
It is cool. Uh, you're happy for a dude who's been through a lot, especially this year. Like I said, with Henry Ruggs getting drunk in Las Vegas and killing that person, and, and John Gruden gone, and, and to have Rich Bisaccia, who should, I mean, I think Bisaccia should probably get some, some love for Coach of the Year for keeping this together, because on offense, they could have gone totally by the wayside and struggled to score points. What Waller's injury led to was Hunter Renfro having just an absolute career year and a guy that used to count on for four or five catches, maybe six targets, whatever a game. Guy caught 103 balls this year, had over 1,000 receiving yards and nine touchdowns, and a lot of that came, the majority of that came, I think, in the back half of the year when Waller got hurt. So offensively, props to the Raiders for keeping it all together. But what I think makes this Raiders team somewhat dangerous here in the postseason, and I would be shocked if they won twice and got to the AFC title game. It's their defense. It's guys like Quentin Jefferson and Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe, guys up and down that defensive line. I mean, if you watch that game on Sunday a week ago, the almost tie game, if you watch that, those guys beat up the Chargers offensive line. And I was surprised to see that Herbert and company couldn't put the ball in the end zone more, but you give a lot of you have to give a lot of credit to Ngakwe, to Crosby, to Jefferson, to those guys making his life hell. And then on the back end, a guy who used to be a Charger and used to play for my Packers, Casey Hayward. That guy has had an incredible year for the Raiders. He was kind of tossed aside, kind of an afterthought. A guy that didn't get wound up wound up not going back to uh, to the to the Chargers. So this is a good game featuring a lot of names. And a lot, there's a kind of, it feels almost like a redemption for Carr and company to get here. And it feels like an ascension game for Cincinnati. Somebody who, if you bought stock early, you would be buying stock in Cincinnati. I don't know if you're going to buy stock in the Raiders. Because who knows who their head coach is going to be next year. Are they going to move on from Carr? Is the Rodgers rumor going to happen? Is the Harbaugh rumor going to happen? Uh, you know, is, is Waller going to ever be able to stay healthy? Or is this kind of a sign of things to come? Is this lightning in a bottle because of everything that happened with the Raiders? So I think if you're looking long-term, Cincinnati is the team you would put your stock behind or your money behind. But I feel like the, the Raiders are going to give them a ball game. Prediction, Cincinnati, home team, guy, I, I would go with those guys. But if that offensive line struggles with the Vegas defensive line, just like the Chargers did last Sunday night, I can see Burrow, who's going to probably throw the ball 40 times in this football game, you can see a mistake get made. Not that he's a mistake-prone guy, but you can see a mistake get made. And why I think Cincinnati is different this year than other years and why I would actually pick them to win a playoff game, no offense to Marvin Lewis, he never got it done in the playoffs. No offense to Andy Dalton, who sucks, he never got it done in the playoffs. This isn't Vontez Burfick. This isn't Pac-Man Jones. This is a different Cincinnati Bengals team that I think is smarter, if that's the right word, way to put it. This is a, they still have passion like those guys do, but it's more contained passion. And I think they all see the long-term plan. And again, he, uh, props to their head coach uh, and Zach Taylor. I think that this is a team on the rise. Cincinnati wins the early game. And then the late game on Saturday, it's New England and Buffalo. It feels like these two teams have played 14 times this year. Every time I turn my TV on, I feel like I've got New England and Buffalo playing this game is going to be, in one word, cold. The temperature in Buffalo, New York, on January the 15th, 
at 8 p.m. when this thing kicks off or whatever time it is, is zero. Nope. No? Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong, but I don't like it. You don't want to be there. Kara's <laughs> not going to... So we will not see you in Buffalo tomorrow night? No. 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 I mean, <laughs> Buffalo... I mean, the two coldest places to play in the NFL, Green Bay and Buffalo, and both teams are hosting at least one playoff game this year. And Buffalo's is tonight. Green Bay's is next week. Buffalo's a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. And, and I, listen, I have been to games that cold. I have sat in the stands. I have had about 40 beers before because I thought that was the right move. The problem when you drink 40 beers and you're at a – okay, let's be honest, eight beers – but when you're at a cold, 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 cold game, if you've been to a cold game at Kinnick or a cold game at Jack Trice. We get it. You're from Michigan. No, but I'm just, what I'm saying <laughs> is if you get six, seven beers in you and you go to a game like that or you're drinking beer at the game because it, it never has, it doesn't get warm. You're, the problem is there's two problems. One, when you, you, when you have to pee... <laughs> You have to take off a lot of layers, all right? And I have worn my Green Bay Packers overalls. So not only do you have, like, four sweatshirts on, or a hu- you have the overall thing to worry about, and you have to go to the bathroom a lot. That's always a problem in cold-weather games. And the other part is if you just just beat, like, it's, it's cold to sit in the stands and just sit there. Pro tip, if you ever go to a game that cold, Kira, bring a piece of cardboard with you to put under your shoes because it doesn't conduct the cold from the concrete nearly as, as easily as the rubber from your shoes or whatever does. So just a little extra layer in there. Welcome to our physics show. That'll keep uh, your feet warm. <laughs> That's a little, little, little pro tip. But playing football, like it's sometimes tough if you're walking from your car to the stadium. It's a little tough to breathe when it's zero degrees. I can't imagine playing football for 60 minutes with hitting a 300-pound guy hitting another 300-pound guy 60 times in a football game, or, or being asked to run down the field, come back and run again. That factors into the entire game plan for Buffalo and for New England. And Buffalo and New England played twice this year. Remember the really, really windy game earlier this year when New England won 14-10 and Mac Jones threw the ball three times and Buffalo couldn't do anything because they had no running game at that point. It was Josh Allen throwing the ball or nothing. And it was such a windy day that you really could not have any success through the air. And Buffalo still had a chance to win that game. They come back a couple of weeks later. Buffalo wins 33-21. to This really comes down to Josh Allen versus Bill Belichick. And Belichick is the master at taking away your best weapon. And I don't know if their best weapon is Stephon Diggs or if it's Devin Singletary. Those guys are pieces. Diggs is tremendous. 103 catches, 1,200 yards. He had 10 touchdowns this year, but it's Josh Allen who threw for, you know, 34 touchdowns, 15 picks, thousands of yards. But he was also the team's second leading rusher behind Singletary. Zach Moss is an afterthought. Matt Breida is a gimmick role player. It was Singletary one over 800 yards, and then it was Josh Allen. And if Belichick is going to figure out a way to try to nullify Josh Allen's legs or his legs and Singletary's legs and load the box... Considering how cold it's going to be, I don't think it's supposed to be as windy in this one. But considering how cold it's going to be, it's going to be very difficult to throw the ball. It gets wet. It gets gross. It gets nasty. Nobody's excited about playing in in weather like that. ESPN's Mike Reese 
was on ESPN Radio, and, and he, was, he broke, uh, reports for the New England Patriots, and he was asked about how New England is getting ready to play in this cold weather. This is the Bill Belichick philosophy. Like, his team always practices outside all year. The players joke. They're like, hey, we have this indoor facility, but the next time I see the inside of it will be the first time. They were in there like three times, you know, this whole year. So being in the elements, Bill Belichick always says, going into December, November, like, hey, we've seen it all, whether it was rain, wind, sleet. So they hope that sort of not just preparing for it this week, but what they've done all year sort of prepares them for what they're going to face on Saturday night. Meanwhile, on the other side, you know, what is Buffalo doing to prepare? What about beating a team for the second time after playing three times? One of the all-time great Buffalo Bills of, uh, of, of one of the all-time great Buffalo Bills and one of the all-time great quarterbacks Jim Kelly, the leader of the K-Gun offense. He was on ESPN Radio and was asked about the Bills now facing New England for a third time. Almost reminds me to a certain point uh, when we played uh, the Dolphins with Marino. I don't know how many times we, probably a couple times we wind up playing the Dolphins three times during the course of a year. But, uh, you know, you look at what they're doing now. I, I look at it as it's a battle of the coaches. I mean, McDermott, some of the things he said after that last game, um, he, he didn't want to hear anybody talk about, uh, you know, uh, Belichick. He, he wanted all about the Bills. And I think there's a little rivalry between them. I love it. I mean, you've got a young quarterback against, you know, Josh Allen. You've got the number one defense in the league on our side. Um, I think it's going to be a battle of guys up front. I love it. I, I can't wait to see it. Four and a half points. That's the spread right now. Buffalo, the home favorite. I don't know if New England is going to be able to score with Buffalo if it turns into a race to 40, uh, although New England has scored 83 points in their last two games. Now, 50 were against Jacksonville, and that's barely an NFL team. That barely NFL team beat the Indianapolis Colts last week to knock Indy out of the postseason. I would take New England and the points just because of Belichick, just because of a cold-weather game. Take the under, whatever the over-under is. I think New England will keep this game close. I don't think Mac Jones is going to beat New England. I think Mac Jones will be the game manager that he is. They will run the ball on Buffalo. Buffalo wins, but I like New England and those points. So we're two down, four to go. Plus, I'm going to rank the pressurized quarterbacks. Who's got the most pressure on them? One to five this weekend. Straight ahead, though, does Philly have a chance at all to go to Tampa and win and also, where is the upset? I think the upset of the day happens on, or the upset of the weekend. I think it happens Sunday, and I'll tell you where it is next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Heck yeah. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. What's up? It's Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. We are talking about the NFL and the Wild Card Weekend, the Super Wild Card Weekend. Two games down, four more to go to get through. And thanks to if you're watching us on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page, I am tweeting about you right now. Follow me at Mike Wicket and follow us at ESPN DSM. Uh, we have got Drake Women's Basketball, by the way, tomorrow. What time does Hunter Phillips hit the air, Kira? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I should have asked you this during the, uh, during the timeout. Looks like 1.30. 1.30 for the pregame, 2 o'clock for the tip. 
and COVID cancel a game that was supposed to be on Sunday. So that's all we got for you this weekend. So you'll be able to sit back and crank up Hunter while you're watching some of these NFL games. And then Sunday, that's where we're at right now. Uh, I like Cincinnati, and I like a lot of dogs. I like Cincinnati to win. I like Vegas in the points. I like Buffalo to win, but I like New England in the points. And then that takes us to Sunday. Philadelphia at Tampa Bay. And there is no, I have not seen a single person that is picking Philadelphia to win. I think even in Philadelphia, Eagles fans and the Eagles media know that this is one daunting task for Philadelphia at 9-8, and eight, a team that didn't figure out its way until the, the final stretch of the year to go on the road to 13-4, and four, the defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. And, and I, don't, I don't know, you know, people are going to say, well, I have the, who's got the guts to pick up? I don't think anybody has the guts to pick or doesn't have the guts to pick. I think it's as simple as this. Philly's on the way, in theory, up because of Jalen Hurts. So we're going to hear from here in just a second. They're on the way up. Nick Sirianni was the guy who everybody wanted to fire in the NFC East back in September. And all of a sudden, this is a team that has formed an identity. We'll get to Hurts here in a second, but this is a team that loves to run the football with Miles Sanders, and they've got Jordan Howard, and they got Boston Scott, and they got Kenneth Gainwell, and they have the NFL's most physical offensive line. And that creates a huge problem for Tampa Bay. More on that in a moment, but first on Jalen Hurts, who is having a a pretty good start to his NFL career. He told ESPN Radio that the offense has evolved. I think as an offense, I think we've just kind of revolutionized and evolved in terms of who we are, um, our identity. You know, and I've said it all year. Um, I've said it's coming. Early on, we kind of were searching for for who we were, um, what we wanted to do, how we wanted to do it, and now kind of kind of fine-tune some things and really I think it just comes down to us executing our job us knowing our job and doing our job if I were to have you guess who the Eagles leading rusher is take a guess in your head I just listed off four running backs it's none of the none of the above it's that guy right there it's Jalen Hurts that's one of the things that makes him so special and if you're a fantasy nerd like I am so valuable in fantasy football is that he can only he can not only beat you with his arm, but he can also do it with his legs. He ran for over 780 yards this year. He threw for 31-44, 16 touchdowns, nine picks. Not great passing numbers, but for a guy in the second year, for a guy that you know didn't have much of a, of a first year, only comes in because of the injuries. I, I mean, Hurts, I think, is, again, the Eagles. We talked about the Bengals. They're kind of on that ascension. Like, you can see Buffalo is a championship contender. I don't think too many people are saying Philly is a championship contender right now. They're the second-best team in the NFC East. You can see them kind of creeping up and maybe closing the gap on Dallas in the next couple of years if guys continue to play better. Devontae Smith is a tremendous wide receiver when they throw him the ball. The four-headed monster at running back, that physical offensive line. I don't think Philly's going to win this game, and I don't think it's going to be particularly close. I think Tampa's going to be able to, to handle this one. But that matchup between the Eagles' offensive line and the undermanned Tampa Bay front, because Shaq Barrett's probably going to miss this one. We don't know uh, where his ankle is at as of right now. That's what ESPN's Jeff Saturday says. The Tampa Bay's got to figure out a way to stop that Philly run game. 
Yeah, I think the Eagles' run game versus the the Bucks' run defense is actually an advantage to the to the Eagles. Listen, when you think about everybody talks about the Bucks' run defense and how good they are, they've actually given up eight 100-yard rushing games this season. That's twice as much as last year. Those injuries have mounted up. I understand guys are getting back, but if the Eagles have any chance to win this game, they will stay committed to that run game and what they and that's their identity. Just like the Tennessee Titans, they understand this is not going to be an air-out game. And think back to last season. Taylor Heineke put his name on the map by the way that he played against them, and it took the, the Bucks to the fourth quarter to beat them with a 13-point fourth quarter to win that game. It's a huge, huge issue. The Eagles have to run the football. The Bucks got to stop it to win. That's a great point. That is a really, really good point. I remember uh, watching that playoff game between Washington and Tampa last year in the, in the postseason, and nobody knew who Taylor Heineke was. No one had ever heard of Taylor Heineke at that point, you know? It was like, who is Taylor Heineke? And Taylor Heineke was this guy that was running around, making some good throws, and you're like, okay, maybe the Washington's got something. I, I don't know if Heineke's going to be that guy. Hertz is better than Heineke, and he's just as dangerous with his legs and with his arm. I, I think it's a great point. If Hertz can capitalize the way Heineke did last year, obviously Tampa's going to be a little more prepared for, for this quarterback as opposed to last year's quarterback. But I think that's, that's a, a, maybe an equalizer. A little bit in there? Well, we'll find out. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, you got Tom Brady. He's a million years old. He threw for 5,300 yards and 43 touchdowns, just 12 interceptions. You know Brady's. There are two rules I live by in sports. Number one, never bet on Gonzaga. All right? Don't ever put your money when you fill out your NCAA tournament bracket and you hand it in for March Madness. Don't ever write Gonzaga in the middle. They're always going to break your heart. They can't win six in a row coming out of that conference. It just will never happen. They got close last year. I wasn't worried. I, was, I, I had Baylor in the game, not overall. Of course, I'm not smart enough to pick Baylor from before the tournament. The other thing is don't bet against Tom Brady. More times than not, if you bet on Brady, you're going to win. And yeah, Brady's lost Antonio Brown, and he's lost Chris Godwin, and he's lost this guy. He's getting Fournette back, which is unbelievable for this offense. He's been gone three weeks with the injury but to add Leonard Fournette back might be the best thing to happen to Brady since his $75 T-shirts uh, went on sale this week. But Brady is Brady. You know what he's going to wind up doing. Fournette being back. Mike Evans going to need a big game. What he did for Gronk last week was awesome. He got him that extra pass, that extra ball that got him a million dollars. You know those two guys are going to hook up at some point come Sunday. I, I, I want to say Philly keeps it close within the 8.5 number, but Tampa at home probably will prove to be too much. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Philly slows the game down, makes it ugly, runs the ball effectively, keeps Brady off the field. I'd love for Tampa to lose. I do not, as a Packers fan, I do not want to see Tom Brady come to Lambeau Field. He did it last year, all right? I will be fly, Eagles fly. I'll be rooting for the green, the gangrene. But I don't see it happening, and I don't see it being particularly close. Here's ESPN's Mina Kimes. Tampa's favorite, rightfully so, but there's reason to think because of some of the absences and injuries, Philadelphia 
Philadelphia could keep it close. We know what this Eagles team wants to do. They want to run the football. And if we were talking about this at the beginning of the season, I would have said good luck running against this Tampa front. But, Kevin, they have struggled to stop the run as of late, most recently seeding uh, an incredible amount of rushing yards to the New York Jets. A lot of that is the absence of Shaq Barrett and Levante Davis, so those are two names to keep your eye on. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, one would think Tampa could take advantage of Philadelphia's secondary. However, as you mentioned, Antonio Brown's gone, Chris Godwin's gone, so remains to be seen whether Tom Brady can exploit this that matchup advantage. I think he can, but I don't think it'll be easy. Yeah, I, I agree with Mina, and I, I think the experience of Tampa is what pushes them ahead. And again, I hope that I am wrong. The second game on Sunday, Niners-Dallas. This is where I think the upset happens. And a lot of people are talking about Mike McCarthy screwing this game up and can Dak Prescott go out and win you a big game. Dallas playing at home against San Francisco. The Niners are three-point dogs in this football game. Uh, here's a former Cowboy, Nate Newton, who says that the when Cowboys need to what, win. When you look at what is happening here, we've got a bunch of players on defense that are on a one- or two-year contracts. We had a, hit, uh, a coach and Coach Quinn, the defensive coordinator, to come in and put this package together because he, they allowed him to bring in players, to put players in place, to, to have a vision. Coach Quinn may be gone. These players may be gone defensively, and that's been our Achilles heel, even though it's a strength right now. That's been our Achilles heel. If they don't win this thing or go deep into the playoffs, man, uh, yeah, you might, yeah, the window, the window will probably start slam shut. I don't know if it's going to slam shut. I mean, if Dan, I mean Dan Quinn is up for a lot of jobs, the defensive coordinator currently, who was a bad head coach, uh, for, or overall a bad head coach in Atlanta, was a great defensive coordinator when he had the Legion of Boom up in Seattle. He's completely turned around Dallas's defense. Will he get another shot as a head coach? We'll find out. Somebody will probably give him another chance somewhere down the line. Was a very good head coach in overall in in Atlanta. Did get to a Super Bowl but blew that 28-3 lead. But the defense still has a guy named Micah Parsons on it. That guy's still a stud, young, and he's a rookie and could win the Rookie of the Year and Defensive Rookie of the Year and the uh, you know Defensive MVP, Defensive Most Valuable Player in the NFL. That could easily happen. I think he probably will win both, which hasn't happened, I think, since Lawrence Taylor back in the 1980s. Some of the pressure in this football game, of course, is on Dak, but Nate Newton was asked about the amount of pressure that's on head coach Mike McCarthy. It's all on, it's all on, on the coach, man, to get these guys right, man, and to get Dak going, man. And then it falls on Dak. You know, the only way head coaches and quarterbacks are judged is by these playoff wins, man. And Dak has to win. He has his own certain amount of pressure. But Coach McCarthy, that's why we brought him in now. He had the, the offensive expertise. And a and the experience of a Super Bowl behind him, so he should, the pressure for me looking at him. That's where it's at on Coach McCarthy. I think there's more pressure on McCarthy than there is Dak Prescott. I heard this debate, I think last night here on ESPN Des Moines, and it was where's the bigger pressure? Is it on Dak or is it on McCarthy? Look, McCarthy, if he doesn't win this game, I think McCarthy's fired, which is amazing because they go 12 and five. They're in the NFL playoffs. They're hosting an NFC playoff game. But I think if Mike McCarthy does not get past San Francisco, I think he's gone. And they hand the ball, the keys, the reins to Kellen Moore. And that's not breaking. I'm not telling you anything you haven't heard or any of the rumors you haven't heard out of this point. I mean, Mike McCarthy butchers the play clock. Mike McCarthy doesn't handle timeouts and challenges well. 
and every time there's generally a big moment and Mike McCarthy calls heads, generally that coin comes up tails. He doesn't handle the biggest pressure-filled moments all that well. And so I think that if they don't get past San Francisco, win, and I think he's safe. Lose, I think he's gone, and Kellen Moore is the next head coach. Speaking of losing, I think they are going to lose. I think this is a game that sets up for San Francisco to make it ugly, to take advantage of some mismatches. Now, I know people are talking about Trayvon Diggs and his 11 picks, but did you realize that Trayvon Diggs, who leads the league in interceptions, also leads the league in yards allowed by all defensive backs in the National Football League? Meaning, teams are taking their shots at Diggs because they know that he is beatable, and every once in a while... 11 times this year, he has made them pay. If the 49ers can ugly this game up, like I think Philly needs to ugly it up against Tampa Bay, they got a real good shot. The difference is I trust the 49ers' offensive weapons a lot more than I do Philadelphia's. Do I trust Jimmy G? Eh, Not the most. I don't think he's going to screw things up. He's not going to throw for 350 and four scores, but I don't think Jimmy G is going to throw four picks in this game. I think if they're smart, They make things quick. Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy G figure out ways to scheme open Debo Samuel in space. He might be the best wide receiver running back combo player in the NFL, maybe Cordero Patterson, whatever. And they got to figure out a way to get the ball to, to, uh, to George Kittle, one of the most dangerous players in the NFL, one of the best tight ends in the National Football League. But to me, it's all about Eli Mitchell. This kid, this rookie, this stud, he is tough to take down. And if they can get him going, and he's probably 70, 80, 85% after the injury he had late in the year, that's the guy to me that's the X factor. He's Eli Mitchell. And I'm not the only one that thinks the 49ers are dangerous. So does ESPN's Rob Nakovich. When you hit the playoffs, you have to really be on your A game. You got to be playing really well. You got to, you really have to be situationally aware. And when I look at the 49ers, they've had some up and downs too, but the one consistent is they average 129 yards a game. They have a running game. They have, you know, Kittle and, and some guys that in, if they want to morph into a passing team, they have people that can do it. If they want to be a running team and, and impose their will on teams, they've done that too. And Jimmy G has just kind of been consistent under the radar. He, he's had some poor performance. He's been injured, too, so he's coming back from injury. But when the game was on the line and they had to win it to get into the playoffs, he came through. And I, and I think that that is a dangerous team in the playoffs. Yeah, they won last week in a game where they were the road team at the Rams, and nobody gave them a chance, especially when they were down 17 nothing, to come all the way back and win that game. And Jimmy G knows that if he loses, he's probably done with the Niners because of the draft pick of Trey Lance. This could be the last hurrah that Garoppolo has as the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. I think this is where the upset happens. I think of all six games, give me the Niners. I don't want the points. I don't need the points. But I'll take the points. I would say give me the 49ers 27-21 to to win at Big D. We got one down, two down, three down. We got three more to go, including the game that, well, People in Kansas City are calling a going-away party, a happy retirement party. We'll talk about it next. You're listening to Wicket's World on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday. If you are listening to us locally, be careful out there on the roads. 
As you know, the snow is falling, flying. I, Kara, is it fall? We're not, we don't have a window in this studio to the outside world. Yeah, we're... Google it and see if it's snowing outside. <laughs> <laughs> see, see if it's actually snowing in Des Moines yet. We are supposed to get about 11 inches of snow between now and uh, tomorrow morning. So be safe if you are driving around uh, Des Moines. So the Sunday night matchup, if you're just joining us, I'm Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. We are going over all of the NFL playoff games. I am so jacked for NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. It's not? It is not snowing? Okay, not snowing yet. It's like, it, it looks like it's converging. Oh, okay, so it's on Des Moines. Okay, <laughs> all right. Great. I am so excited for all these NFL playoff games. We get two tomorrow, three Sunday, and then one on Monday. And these Sunday night capper, it's a strange game to put on Sunday night football because of how lopsided it appears to be on paper. But Sunday night football, I mean, all of the games are exciting because they are all NFL playoff games, you know. But if, if you were going to take the teams with the cachet, with the sexiness, with the names that people want to see, this is the game that would get Sunday night football this weekend. It's the Steelers. It's Ben Roethlisberger, potentially, in his last game. It's Mike Tomlin, who's never had a losing season. And it's the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, the team that was in the AFC, or that won the AFC last year. They lost the Super Bowl. These, this is the sexiest, in, the, in terms, like football lore terms, it's the sexiest matchup. And that's why it gets the best spot, especially because we have Monday off. Most a lot of people have MLK Day off, so hey. Woohoo! That's why this game is Sunday night. On paper, this should be where the Raiders-Bengals game is, the early game on Saturday, because the experts have this as a 12.5-point spread. Personally, I don't think it's big enough. The last time these two teams played, at one point, it was 36-0 Kansas City. It was the day after Christmas. They won 36-10. to um, I, I don't know if Pittsburgh's going to be able to keep it within that number because of the guys, the firepower, the weapons on the other side, of course, Tyreek Hill. And I know Clyde Edwards, Zillaire is not going to play. Darrell Williams is likely going to be the guy for, for Kansas City. You got Travis Kelsey, but it comes down to the guy who's just had a heck of a turnaround as the Chiefs have had a heck of a turnaround, quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Now, obviously, they're going to take away the stuff that they did, they did good against us. Um, and then they're going to try to change stuff that they didn't have as much success with. Um, so, I mean, uh, they, have a, they have a lot of good, really good coaches over there. They have a lot of really good players, um, and they play in playoff games. They understand that how to change stuff up. They understand to go back to what they're great at. Um, and so we're expecting a, a battle. Um, and we're, we'll be ready to go, and we're going to try to find answers for everything because they're going to throw uh, all different pitches to us, um, and we have to be able to respond and have success uh, as much as possible. I swear to God, if we took a drink for every cliche that Patrick Mahomes just threw our way, we would be drunk by the time Patrick Mahomes got done talking in that one. He didn't say anything. And he's so good at not saying anything. But how can you get mad at a guy who's thrown for 4,800 yards, 37 touchdowns, and 13 picks in a down year? This has been the down year for Kansas City. They're 12-5. and five. They won nine of their last ten. But at one point, a lot of people were wondering, including me, is this still going to be a playoff team? I don't doubt Mahomes. I don't doubt Andy Reid. Uh, but you, you looked at what they had done in the first half of the year, and it was like, boy, this moving Chris Jones, defensive lineman to the outside, that's not working. He belongs on the inside. 
you know, they acquire Melvin Ingram. He was such a big, he's had such a big impact rushing from the outside. So you could put Jones back inside. Like all of the pieces had to get moved around in the middle of the year. And ever since they got embarrassed by the Tennessee Titans 10 games ago, they have been arguably the best team in the National Football League. And they're the two seed right now. Meanwhile, on the other side, here's Pittsburgh. They had to get a big win against a backup quarterback and hope that the Chargers and Raiders didn't tie just to get into this football game. And Big Ben knows that he's trolling when he says something like this. Probably aren't supposed to be here. We're probably not a very good football team. We're the out of 14 teams I think are in. We're probably number 14. Um, we're double-digit underdog in the playoffs. So let's just go play and have fun and see what happens. I hope we don't go in there and get blown out by 20 or 30 points. I don't think Pat didn't play in the first one, and we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, they, they didn't have guys playing their on their team either. So, uh, from what I understand, uh, I'm sure both teams will be close to full strength as you can get at this time of year. And um, you know, we'll just go. Hope we keep it close. No one knew if we were going to be here, you know, and I didn't know if I'd be talking to you guys again. And I'm lucky I get to talk to you guys again and everything. And so all these things, we're lucky we get to do another week of meetings, another week of practice, another week of working out together, like all this stuff. And so um, I just try. Enjoy every minute of it because we don't know if we'll be here next week. Listen, we're just going to go out and play carefree and, like, you know, whatever happens, happens. (laughs) You don't go into a game thinking you're going to lose. That's not part of the deal in the National Football League. You don't go into a game thinking, well, we're probably going to lose this football game, so what in the hell we even do? It's football. Look, the Jaguars knocked the Colts out of the playoffs, and a lot of people thought the Colts last week are going into that one perhaps could have been a championship contender with the quarterback and the running back and that nasty defense, but they lost to Jacksonville. And they got their ass kicked at Jacksonville. It wasn't even a close game. They were never really in that game in Jacksonville. So anything can happen. But on paper, looking at this one, and I know he mentioned Pat, that's tight end Pat Fryermuth. I know that T.J. Watt is angry because he didn't get the sack record. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick is a stud. They got Deontay Johnson, who... By the way, Deontay Johnson had a great year. Caught 107 balls, 1,160 yards. I just They might get Juju Smith-Schuster back, who's been activated. Will he play? Who knows? I just can't see Pittsburgh stopping Kansas City enough. And I can't see Pittsburgh with Roethlisberger and his arm, who throws the smallest yards per attempt in the National Football League. I can't see Pittsburgh keeping up with Kansas City if Kansas City plays like they're capable of for four quarters. They shut everything down in that fourth quarter when they won 36-10. When they were up 36-0, they put their feet up. You know, it was a Chad Henney time. They sat everybody. It was, it was just different. It just wasn't the same. Did my microphone go out? Oh, okay. I kicked something down here. My headphones went out. <laughs> it happened. Turn the feet... Get my headphones back on. No? Okay. I don't have headphones for the rest of the show. We'll see what happens. We'll figure it out, you know? But honestly, on on paper, I cannot see Pittsburgh keeping this game close. I wish I could because I'm going to be watching the game on Sunday night. Got Monday off. Have an extra beer or two. Watch some Sunday night football. We have some company in town, weather permitting. I like Kansas City big. I mean, I'm, I'm talking big. I'm talking 36-10 big, just like they did. Maybe Big Ben can find some of that magic. Maybe Big Ben can get, it, get the job done. I, I, I don't know, but I'm going to go with Kansas City 
big in this game. All right, we'll hit the final game, and I'm going to rank the pressure-filled quarterbacks. Who's got the most pressure on them in the National Football League? Which quarterback this weekend has the most pressure? Here's a hint. We haven't talked about him yet. That's next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. What's up? It's Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. Last game, Monday night game. It is the Super Wild Card weekend. Uh, real quick, I like the Chiefs big over the Steelers. Pretty common, which means it'll be a nail-biter. Uh, I like the uh, Niners upsetting Dallas. I like Tampa to cover against Philly. Give me New England in the points, but I like Buffalo and I like Cincy to win. But something about that Vegas defense, I think, is going to keep it close. And that gives, uh, gives us to Monday night football, Arizona at the Rams. I love the fact that we have a Monday night football NFL playoff game. And I, I got to get through some of these because I want to get to my rankings, but we're going to hear about both of these guys. These two quarterbacks are both in my rankings for most pressure on them, in my opinion, in these playoffs. I'm going to start with Kyler Murray, uh, who was asked about playing against that Rams defense. So there's no shy away from this. We know we know who we're playing. Uh, we know the caliber of guys that got over there, guys that can you know uh, wreck, wreck a game. Uh, and we gotta we gotta we gotta match the energy and uh, be ready to play. There's there's no there's no way around it. You know, to get to the Super Bowl, you gotta you gotta beat everybody. So um, you know, it just it just so happens we have to play the Rams first. Uh, we we understand yes they have a great D line, yes they get up the passer. Um, we, we gotta we gotta play we gotta play well. Kyler has a lot of pressure on him. More on that in a moment. On the other side of the ball, uh, former Detroit Lions running back, one of the all-time greats. I think the greatest running back of all time, Barry Sanders, was on Greeny this week and was asked about former Lion, now current Rams quarterback Matt Stafford. Well, I think the pressure is very real. I think uh, he's in a great situation. Um, he's with a team that's been there before. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's really a lovely situation for him, but I'm I'm sure he's feeling the pressure. But Matt, Matthew, he, he's up to it. I mean, everyone who wins um, the big one has to learn how 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 to at some point, you know. And so I'm one of the Detroiters saying, "Hey, look, man, the be- best of Matthew. Um, he's been in this league put up for a long time, put up big numbers. Um, he's played against all those guys who've done it." Um, you know, and, and so this is this is his time to shine. So so I, I think he's up for it. I just can't trust Matt Stafford. Like, how can you? I, I, re, I think a lot of people want Stafford to do well, right? If, unless you're an Arizona Cardinals fan or you just want to see the Rams lose. I think a lot of people, if you're a fan, you watch Stafford put up big numbers and play for crappy teams in Detroit. You just want the guy to do well. But he, he leads the league in pick sixes. He's thrown more pick sixes this year than Aaron Rodgers has thrown in a decade. I mean, it's crazy to think about that. They got weapons on the ground with the shell and acres, and of course, Cup is just an, an absolute monster. I, if this game was in Arizona, I would go Cards. This game is in L.A. I'm going to take the Rams, and I hope Stafford can get it done. Stafford tops my list, by the way, of the quarterbacks with the most pressure that are playing this weekend. There are 12 quarterbacks playing. I think six don't make my list have the least amount of pressure. That would be Mac Jones. He's a rookie. Long, long future. Jalen Hurts, same concept. Tom Brady, other end of the spectrum. But if he loses, so what? The dude has seven rings. 
Uh, Derek Carr, I think, is kind of just happy to be here. I'm shocked that they are here. And Joe Burrow beginning his career, you know, let's – if Burrow loses, so what? It's his first playoff game. He and Carr are in their first playoff game. Mahomes is in his own little realm. I don't have a lot of pressure on Mahomes because he's won the Super Bowl. He's won the MVP. But he's got to get it done because he's really he's, – he's the linchpin to that football team, and he can be the best quarterback in the NFL. Number five, Jimmy G. A lot of pressure on this guy because of his future. Where is he going to play next? Number four, Josh Allen. He is the straw that stirs that drink. If Josh Allen stinks, Buffalo can't win. Number three, Kyler Murray. A lot of talk about Kyler Murray not being a great leader. Can he actually rise up? And The team was 7-0. and Arizona was 7-0, and finished 11-6. and And a lot of it had to do with injury, but a lot of it has to do with the play of Kyler Murray. The quarterback with the second most pressure on him in the playoffs this year or this weekend is Dak Prescott. Big contract, a lot of weapons, a lot of questions coming into the year. You've got an offensive coach in, in Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy. He's also the quarterback of the Cowboys, and there may not be a bigger pressure-filled position in all of sports than that. And the quarterback with the most pressure on him in the playoffs this weekend is Matt Stafford. Everything they gave up, they mortgaged so much to get a team around Stafford. He has to perform. He is the guy with the most pressure in the NFL. Five, Jimmy G, four, Josh Allen, three, Kyler, two, Dak, and number one, the most pressure is on Matt Stafford. That's my NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Thank you so much for listening to the preview here on ESPN Des Moines. If you are in Des Moines, be safe. If you don't have to drive, don't. we got a foot of snow coming our way. Thanks to Kira for keeping us on the air. Oh, there, that, there you go. Okay. My name is Mike Wickett. Have a great weekend. We'll talk with you next week. So delightful.